Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm Danny V, podcast host and children's author. I also do some work in publishing in acquisitions and publicity. As we hurdle towards one million plays, we'll continue to provide you with the conversational, vulnerable, honest and fun chats with your favourite authors across all genres. Check out our takeover episodes, usually released on a Friday, and our spin-offs released during the month. Thank you for being here, being part of the journey, and supporting Aussie Creatives. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I welcome Kel Woods, an Australian historical fantasy author. Kel studied English literature, creative writing and librarianship so she could always be surrounded by stories. Sounds pretty good. She's worked in libraries for the past 12 years, all while writing about made up and not so made up places, people and things you might remember from the fairy tales you read as a child. Today we're going to talk about her book After the Forest. Welcome Kel, first time on the pod. Thank you Danny. thanks for having me. It's great to be here. <laughs> we're going to start with a question that every author loves, um, you know, I mean how many pages is this book and you've got to now condense it into, you know, it's 362 pages or something and now you've got to condense it into a 10 second elevator pitch. Everyone loves doing this so hit me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, After the Forest is a historical fantasy novel for adults and it's set in the Black Forest in Germany in the mid-17th century and it tells the story of red-headed gingerbread baker Greta who is Gretel from Hansel and Gretel grown up and she still lives with her brother Hans and they're still uh, dealing with the traumatic events of their childhood and the loss of their parents. Uh, Greta is sort of a little bit of an outcast in her village. She's viewed with suspicion and mistrust by the villagers who can't get past her past or her red hair. Uh, So things are getting pretty um, messy and stressful in this little village. Um, There's been men found dead in the woods and strange beasts and dark magic. And as the magic grows deeper and the villagers mistrust gets worse Greta finds that the past might not be as far away as she thought it was and that she might have to fight for her life all over again it was actually great it was (laughs) was very good it was concise told me lots so yeah that was great I really great actually I was sitting back waiting for story time um (laughs) now these are characters that we know from our childhoods Mm -hmm. and so how do you then appropriate a famous fairy tale and then make it relevant for a contemporary audience? Oh, good question. I I guess I was really keen on writing something that was similar to uh, Bitter Greens by Kate Forsyth and Juliette Marillia's beautiful, like stunning um, book, Daughter of the Forest, which were two of my most favourite books when I was, um, you know, a young writer at uni studying creative writing and, you know, really deciding what kind of stuff I wanted to write. So when I um, when I really decided to take it seriously and have a go at actually finishing a novel, that was the kind of book I wanted to write. So um, it was really a matter of looking at a tale that hadn't had much done with it. There's, there are a lot of fairy tale retellings already out there and um, I love them and I read a lot of them, but I hadn't really seen anyone do something with, Hansel and Gretel. So I thought I would start with that. And because that fairy tale occurred when the kids were little, I needed to move that into adulthood. Um, and so that sort of led into 
trying to make them a, make them real. Like, what would they be like if they were real people? Uh, what would what would life be like if you were abandoned in the forest by your dad <laughs> and uh, spent three May days? May grow up with some issues. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, what it was pretty dark, right? Like very dark, really dark. And I think um, I love that darkness. And also the beauty in fairy tales. So I ended up doing research on things like um, PTSD and trauma, childhood. You know, really tried to look at like real books written for people now who have who have survived, um, you know, horrible experiences, and tried to give like flesh them out and give the tale uh, some depth and the characters that that sort of depth and realness. And then also choosing a location that is a real place and a real time. So I did all the research for the the Black Forest in that period, what people ate, what they wore. There was a war that had just finished, the 30 Years War. So everything I did, I tried to ground it into uh, that historical grittiness, that realness, and then try and make the characters like real people. Um, yeah. Is that, is that what you meant? Oh, yeah, and it's really interesting. And I'm yeah. particularly interested about um, the research because, you know, historical, fantasy, um, fairy tales, there's quite a bit in there. And then I, you know, said you went further in looking at the psychology of trauma um, for, you know, contemporary audience. But I'm interested mm. in, you know, the Black Forest and interested in Germany and particularly the time that it was set. What was interesting or surprising about your research that you went, oh, I didn't know that, or oh, that's something really cool. I, I'm glad I know now, or maybe not glad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know much about Germany. I didn't, all well, I do now, but I didn't when I started writing. I was like, yep, okay, it's a it's a German fairy tale, and I'm gonna set it in Germany. And where am I gonna set it? So it was quite um, fun, you know, choosing the forest that was the you know, infamous forest where Hansel and Gretel were abandoned, picking a location. I wanted it to be remote and mountainous. Um, and then I came across, you know, looking over German history. At that point, Germany wasn't Germany. It was a little uh, like a patchwork of, of duchies and principalities and territories and kingdoms. And so, um, you know, and, they, and then the Thirty Years' War came onto my radar, which was a really, really disturbing period in history, I think, you don't hear much about it. We don't, you know, I didn't really know much about it here in Australia before, but it was a shocking war and it, it was, it started off being religious between Catholic and Protestants and then grew into uh, just a massive political war. And it really did go for 30 years. And most wow. of it was fought on what is now Germany. And it was incredibly hard on the people who lived and farmed and worked on, on those lands. You had a lot of mercenary armies uh, Swedish. It was everybody was involved. Everybody really, except for England, the whole of Europe. It was almost like one of the world wars. It was it was big, um, and there was a lot of soldiers moving across uh, Germany, and you know there was a lot of looting, burning, stealing, famine, crops, and that kind of stuff leads naturally towards witch trials and witch hunts because generally when there's anything like up any kind of up, upheaval any kind of um, change and, uh, you know, uh, hardships happening with crops, food, famines, wars, generally witches and witch trials pop up and, and two of Germany's most notorious and, um, yeah, infamous witch hunts, witch trials happened during the Thirty Years' War. So that um, 
was very appealing to me from a narrative, like from a building. I was trying to build a story out of all of these elements. And so that was incredibly appealing because straight away with Hansel and Gretel, you know you're going to be talking about witches and witchcraft. So having that um, the witch trials and that witchy history of Germany tie in uh, with the fairy tale and the history just worked really well. And I think the portrayal of women is really interesting as well. I mean, you mentioned the red hair of Gretel mm. and then the witch trials. And although that's so far away, I mean, you can still find relevance in these stories about women today. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when I first met with my agent and we were first discussing the book and whether or not she was interested in representing me, one of the discussions we had about the book was that it's still really relevant. You know, the whole witch hunt thing and the idea of women, powerful women or women who are different um, being, you know, ridiculed or attacked or um, dismissed or you know dragged <laughs> dragged through the mud which we see you know we see quite a lot of today so there's definitely that um, that link between women now and then <laughs> really when you think about it not that much has changed sometimes Sad, I sadly <laughs> you know sometimes I think Ugh. oh yeah it was so rough on women and then I'm like oh yeah. <laughs> but when you think about it and, you know, we think about the change that has been made, but still the changes that have to go, you know, the constant comments on women's appearance and all those kind of things and, and violence against women, it's mm. it's just it comes from such a historical uh, background mm. of, you know, abuse against women. So, yeah, ingrained. you know, yeah, yeah, it's ingrained in, in, in us in some ways. And that's what makes it harder, I think, to, to push back against in today's contemporary society. But I did like that, even though it was very different, it was also still really relevant, um, as you're reading it to, you know, the, the struggle that I guess we're still facing today. Yeah, I, I wanted it to be like that. Like, I, I read widely, like I read all sorts of books. Um, I like horror. I like general sort of fiction. I, you know, I've just read Yellow Face. Couldn't put that down. Oh, I'm reading that now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. I loved it. Um, but yeah, like I read quite widely. And what I always love in a book is when you you really feel for the character and you connect with them and you walk in their footsteps and you really want thing. You really care. Like it's by the end of it, it's like, oh my god, what's going to happen to this person? And I think a good book, no matter what period it said or what genre it is it pulls you in and, and gets that and so I was really even though it's, it's fantasy historical I was always thinking about the characters as people and um and how to sort of try and get the reader to connect with them that was something I really wanted yeah and I was going to yeah. ask you about character development because you know we have expectations a little bit because they're in a fairy tale although mm. there's not a lot of characterization of Hansel and Gretel back in the fairy tale it's just kind of what happened to them so then you developed the characters, you looked at, you know, trauma-based experiences and, and how that could impact them and looked at them as people. And then how did you develop the relationship between Hansel and Gretel, which is, you know, quite a complex one? Yeah, it is a complex one, as family relationships often can be, right? Um, yeah, I, I, they have really different ways of handling uh, what happened when they were children. So Hans, Hans, Hansel is, um, is quite reckless selfish I guess from the outside you would look at him and and see someone who's you know drinks a lot and gambles a lot and is really reckless and kind of wild whereas Greta kind of carries her trauma more deeply and quietly inside her she keeps to herself she's 
you know, she knows the the villagers gossip about her and her red hair and her, um, you know, she was the one who pushed the witch. She was the one who did the deed. Uh, so I, I really felt that difference would have made mm. an impact on them. In yeah, small, absolutely. You know, like think about how they, they were Protestant in, in Württemberg at that time. So they were deeply religious. They believed in witches. They believed in, you know, they, were, they believed in werewolves. They believed in all of the folklore. Like most of the stuff in this book is from history. Mm. I didn't make a lot up. Like history <laughs> is wild. History, <laughs> you know? Yep. The early modern period is, is just wild. Um, and so... You know, they. I can't believe that they wouldn't have looked at these children who had gone through this ordeal and not gone, "Wow, those kids have got to be messed up." <laughs> you know, she's got to be a weirdo. You can't. You know, I just felt in that climate with that that small little village, isolated and superstitious and religious, there would definitely be this um, judgment of her as a person. So yeah, they kind of both kind of messed up, but I feel hers is is harder because. There's a lot of guilt and shame, which is also a very, a lot of women, I think, know that the feeling of guilt and shame, it's something women seem to just be programmed to carry mm. with them, right? So, And then couple um, that with religion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Then an and, act, I, yeah. <laughs> and then an action you're forced to take, you know, like she was the one, like you said, to push the witch in the other. Yeah. There's a lot going and on there. There's a lot going on there. And even though she saved her brother and herself, it seems unfair to me that she's, judged harshly but then I really feel that that's probably how it would have been mm. if it was real <laughs> and also hands you know him dealing with the fact that he wasn't the one that saved him you know because traditionally mm. it's the it's the the male figure that comes and saves the sleeping princess or whatever so that's kind of flipped that idea on its head as well yeah and that's always been something that's interested me about that that fairy tale yeah it was the, it was the sister who mm. did the heavy lifting and I know that that was probably because um you know, she the witch kept her out of the cage so she could do the help with the cooking and the chores and the housework. And I get that that's a historically gender sort of, um, uh, what's the word, appropriate, a gender appropriate thing is that the women would do the chores. But I kind of saw an opportunity there to look into a little bit, you know, look into why was Greta not in the cage? Why was she mm. treated differently to her brother? And why was she the one who in the end saved them so mm. she's a fascinating character and so I think it was, so too yeah yeah it was very tempting to to try and make her into a young woman um and see how she would have fared after that childhood mm. it was really fun and really I loved it I really loved her <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed really it's a great character that. it's a great character and you're yeah. right you know we all know the story of Hansel and Gretel but you know, we haven't explored it and that's why I found After mm. the Forest so interesting in that way. Mm. And you mentioned Kate Forsyth's Bitter Greens, which is, you mm. know, just stunning. I love her writing. Was that something that, you know, how do you, you read Kate Forsyth's book and yet still then do something in the same genre but then say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something different? Yeah, I, yeah, read Bitter Greens, uh, loved it, loved how it was a real historical place in a mm. real time. So I kind of started with those those elements, like, okay, here's the fairy tale. We'll look at the structure of the fairy tale. We'll put it into a real place in a real time. We'll do, you know, we'll try and work walk that line between history and fantasy. And then because Hansel and Gretel is quite a different fairy tale to Rapunzel and the history began to inform the writing, yeah. it just took on its own um 
its own sort of personality. And I think it's probably quite a bit darker than Kate's books. Mm. I'm friends with Kate. She mentored mm. me on this oh, book. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah, yeah. She I, gave I, him I, a stunning review to a dark and wondrous tale, utterly enchanting. Does it get better she, than that? I know. <laughs> it's just wonderful. She's She's been incredibly generous and supportive and right from, I you know, stalked her. I saw I read Bitter Green. <laughs> Yeah, immediately went, I want to write a book like that and I want to learn how to write from her with her. So I, yeah, stalked her, went to her writing classes, ended up getting the mentorship with her through the Australian Society of Authors and that's when I really got to get into the book. But I think looking at it, it's probably a fair bit darker than Kate's books. She doesn't see, she doesn't go as dark or as gory mm-hmm. as I do. So I was kind of, you know, started off with the similar idea but then your own voice and your own you know and the fairy tale being so dark and a little bit scary it's it's not a super cozy book by the end like it sort of feels you know there's yeah you can add crime thriller to that genre yeah what is it fantasy (laughs) historical fairy tale crime thriller (laughs) there's some dead bodies around and you know a mystery so you know um it kind of took on its own its own which is good, I guess. It just kind of took on its own shape, but definitely informed by those beautiful tales that take the tale, flesh it out, make it real, pull you into this world that feels so real you can't help but, you know, really get into it. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. I find that that when I get into those books with that past and the fairy tales and everything, you just, you're, you're in that world, you're living in that world, you know, and I think there's a bit of nostalgia to it, you know, because they're fairy tales which we heard when we were younger and then you're thinking about a different take on them. But I'm always so interested in the the real fairy tales from the very beginning when they were so dark, you know, those European ones that got cleaned yeah. up a little bit as time went on. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like you've come full circle with the dark fairy tales from the very beginning and then after the forest, which is quite dark and really uh, reflecting what how fairy tales began. Yeah, yeah, and like, look, well, that that would have happened quite naturally when I started to research Hansel and Gretel and how old it was and where it came from and what those older tales were like, were like what they were like, and they were really dark. And then it gets even more disturbing because if you look into the history of that time, pe- women and men really did leave their kids in the forest. Like that was a real thing. They were wow. starving. Yeah, the Thirty Years' War, and there was also a famine, a really bad famine in Europe in the 1400s I think in the yeah 15th century there was a a terrible famine that ripped through Europe and so you know people there are there are um records of of parents leaving their children in the forest because they couldn't afford to feed them and also of cannibalism wow so yeah it does get pretty dark Kel super dark and so that's what I mean when I say most of this stuff I didn't have to make up like there was (laughs) You got cannibalism, you got abandonment. And this, is, no, this was real. I didn't even need to throw in magic. <laughs> magic is fun. <laughs> yeah, well, I wanted to ask about the importance of magic in storytelling as well. I mean, mm. I just watch Yellow Jackets as well with when you mentioned cannibalism. I'm still scarred from that. So, you know, couple that with <laughs> After the Forest. Welcome to the nightmares I'm going to have. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't watched Yellow Jackets yet. I really want to watch Well, that. I reckon you can do it. You know, you've written Darkness, you've written, you know, so, I, yeah, do it, but just just go prepared. Yeah, I'll keep, go. I'll be prepared. Keep the lights on. <laughs> yeah, I like a bit of darkness. And, um, magic is great too. I think when, when Kate was mentoring me, I remember having a conversation or being in one of her classes and she said, well, you know, 
every book can be improved with a bit of sex and magic. Oh. And I was like, it's true. Like, you you know, any book, you can, everything will be improved with a bit of sex and magic. And I love so, that advice. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was the best advice. And That's so I was fantastic. like, okay, let's put in some sex and magic and really get this going. <laughs> And that is going to be um, the tagline for this podcast. <laughs> Every podcast can be improved with a bit of discussion about sex and magic. Sex and magic. <laughs> Love it. Same. Yeah, yeah. She's a good teacher that way. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I wanted to ask about your writing process because there was, you know, so much research as well. Mm. So do you just go forth and write or do you do your research first or do they happen simultaneously? Uh, I researched first. So I did a lot of research on the, you know, history of like Hansel and Gretel, history of Germany, um, and then things like food, um, clothing, just a brief rundown, like not too deep. And then I start. well, I don't really don't start writing until I have an idea about the world and what it sort of sounds like and what it's going to look like. And then, um, and I also plan. So I plan the whole book. I sh- I know how it kind of ends. Wow. Yeah, kind of roughly. I've just finished my second book and I I knew exactly how it was going to end and it was really quite um, qu- planned quite tightly. Not all of it. There were obviously movements between those important scenes but then I just had to sort of mm, make up the time. Yeah, I, I like to know, I like to have a skeleton. I call it a skeleton. So there's like the skeleton of the story and that's really um, easy to get when you're already pulling from an, a known tale. So looking, pulling apart, like dissecting the fairy tale, looking at those beats, you know, those those important storytelling moments. So the real structure of stories which I find really fascinating, yeah. like, you know, how movies have all got the, you know, mm-hmm. the, um, yeah, the structure of the story, pulling that apart, building something new and then pulling in the research to make it feel real. So I, I still do a lot of research as I'm writing as well, like things pop up, like, oh, what kind of, what kind of, are they using a knife and forky? Did they have forks? What kind? <laughs> yeah, that's a good people question. Use, oh, write that one down and then look into that. So the research is um, lengthy and goes mm. on all the way. And to be yeah. honest, I was still looking up, I was still researching things even right through in the proofread, proofreading mm. and the copy edits. So I was still, you know, checking things um, and the copy editors would, editors would say, oh, you know, I don't think this German word is right. I don't think it should be. So there was constant, constant checking and researching all the way through the process. Mm, wow. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And you'll still get someone who picks something up, no doubt. <laughs> oh, I'm just waiting for it. <laughs> go, easy. Like, go easy. Please go easy. Please go easy. Oh, I did. And and I had three separate copy editors for the three territories oh, wow. too. There's been lots of eyes on it. So I'm yeah. just like, oh, I bet you we've missed something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is fiction too, so I can you got a bit of a licence there. I hope so. Um, Kel, the question I ask all the guests when they come on is, why do you write? Why do I write? Oh, an, an easy um, one to end the conversation. Yeah. Oh, look, I've always wanted to be a writer, Danny. I, I wanted to be a, an author when I was a little girl. When I was six and seven, I was writing poetry. I, I always wanted to write. I, I did it all through school. I was, I did, you know, English was my my thing. And I went to uni and I studied English lit and creative writing. And I always wanted to be a writer. And the times that I haven't written, so when I had when my children were young, it was mm. kind of 
hard and I so I would put things away and just say I'm not going to write well this is too hard I just need to be with my kids or I need to study or whatever there were times that I had to stop and start and I just was never as happy (laughs) I just I just feel happier when I'm working on something I think I have a pretty vivid imagination and a very active uh brain maybe a bit (laughs) of an anxious brain you know oh hang on it sounds like sounds like you're describing me yeah look a lot of people in this industry are very similar there's a lot of sensitive anxious creative uh, they're my favorite kind of people um and so yeah uh I think when I'm when I'm working on something big and uh it and all consuming I get obsessed and it just makes me happier I'm just not as happy when I'm not mm. when I'm not writing yep yeah. can relate <laughs> well thank you Kel that has been so interesting and I do love um this genre and I've read all of Kate Forsyth's books so it was pretty exciting to get after the forest and and delve into a fairy tale that's familiar to me and yet you know not familiar when reading your version so that was actually <laughs> um, it was actually a real treat so thank you so much thank you thank you so much for having me